You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. I think where I should have you open your Bibles to. Let's just let's just hold that. We will be opening our Bibles in a couple moments. So uh, most of you know we've been in this series for the last couple of weeks. I'm going to try and do as little review as possible today, but there are always new people either online or here that haven't been with us in the series. We're basically talking about two aspects, the two primary aspects of the Holy Spirit's ministry to us. Jesus used examples, used illustrations from regular real life, as they often did, to kind of illustrate what those two ministries to us look like. And uh, the one he spoke of, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, what we've been calling the well ministry, the into ministry. When you give your life to Jesus or anyone gives their life to Jesus, the scripture tells us the Holy Spirit comes into us begins to live in us, and begins to minister really to us. That into ministry, that born-again ministry, is for you and for me. What He begins to do things that change us. And we, we had a list of those uh, last week, which I'll, I'll mention to you this morning. We talked about, actually we talked about conviction that leads us into greater holiness. We talked about transformation, and I would say that you know, to me, transformation encompasses the majority of what the Holy Spirit does in us. And what that means is he absolutely changes who we are from the inside out. With the Holy Spirit and the Word, we are changed into, into new people. We get born again. Our spirit is made whole and completely new. But for all of that to work out through our thinking and our emotions and our choices and all of that, it takes us transformation, remodeling process that the Holy Spirit does. And that's, to me, that's one of the most important things. The Holy Spirit on the inside of us gives us peace. He gives us supernatural instruction and recall. He brings revelation knowledge, knowledge we couldn't get just trying to figure things out. It's the wisdom of God coming into our life. And he brings us guidance. And and so that is, and, and that's just a, that's a handful, but but that is essentially that into or well ministry of the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus said, and he said this to people who had already been born again, already received him as Lord and Savior, already had the Holy Spirit living in them. Over in Acts chapter one, he said, stay here in Jerusalem because in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they immediately changed the subject and started to ask him about when the kingdom was gonna come. And he said, that's not for you to know, but he changed the subject back. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So at the new birth, the Holy Spirit comes into us for us. At the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he comes upon us to begin to release power and pour out to others, empower us to minister to the world. Okay, and Jesus earlier in John chapter 7 talked about how out of believers' belly would flow rivers of living water. So it's well ministry, river ministry. And you can go back and pick up those earlier services either through podcast uh, or or on our YouTube channel. So what I want to do, and I felt really impressed after we got done with that little list last week, was I felt like the Lord really wanted us to sidebar, sort of, for a week or two, um, and and specifically talk about guidance from the Holy Spirit. How do we learn 
to be led by the Holy Spirit? How do we learn to hear what God is saying to us and to trust that we are hearing from God? And I think over the years, I've probably gotten more questions about that subject, somewhere in that subject, than any other. I think all of us, it's, it's and, and part of the reason for that is because we are Westerners and we have all grown up learning to live from up here, to live from our intellect, to make decisions based on a logical thought process. God gave us logical thought process. That's okay. It's just that it was always supposed to be submitted to his spirit. Your, your, your spirit is actually, your spirit engaged with the Holy Spirit is actually supposed to be in charge in your life. Your brain is not supposed to be in charge. And actually, I think a lot of the problems we see uh, mentally, emotionally, uh, those kinds of issues that we have as human beings, uh, whether that is uh, just plain confusion or depression or any of those types of things, I think they happen because we are putting a burden on our soul, our mind, our emotions, and our will that it was never intended to carry. It's supposed to sort of translate out what the Spirit of God is leading us to do. We're supposed to walk by the Spirit. That's what we were designed to do. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden before the fall. Okay, so so we need, as Christians, here we have this huge privilege of being led by the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't mean you shut your brain off. It means you stop being carnally minded and begin to be spiritually minded. Uh, Because the carnal mind, the Bible says that the carnal mind, which the Amplified Bible defines as uh, sense and reason, sense and reason, without the Holy Spirit. Nothing wrong with sense, nothing wrong with reason. But without the Holy Spirit, (laughs) they become a problem. That's where we get into the carnal mind. It says it's, it's actually the enemy of God. It doesn't put it lightly. It doesn't say, ah, oh, it kind of goes along with God, kind of gets along with it. It says, no, that's the enemy. You, your thinking will be in a, and you don't necessarily mean it that way, but it is. It's, it becomes the enemy of God when all we're doing is living by reason, okay? So we want to talk about how to be led by the Holy Spirit And again, I think we'll do this for two weeks because today I don't want to get into the mechanics. I don't want to get into the ways the Holy Spirit speaks to us. We certainly will do that. Mentioned them last week. We'll get into them a little better. I hope this is practical. Uh, It's a practical subject. I hope I make it practical for you. Uh, But what I want to talk about today more is is a framework, a set of attitudes that we need to have and and develop on the inside of us in order to hear, learn to hear what God is saying to us. So, first of all, you can go over to Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 16. I'm going to read here. This is what I have is from the Amplified Bible. I like the way it, it reads. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul writing, of course, and he says, But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit. And then these, you know, when you're reading your Amplified Bible, when you see brackets like this, that's around responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit, those words, those words were added at the discretion of the translator. 
when you see in your, if you read an Amplified Bible, there will be places where words are in parentheses. Those words define something that's found right in the original text. But when it's in brackets, usually it's something they pulled somewhere out of the Old Testament that fits, or uh, sometimes it's just defining things. But at any rate, I, I just wanted you to know that. You can read it in the beginning. of Your Amplified Bible tells you this at the beginning, uh, but people get confused about it. But I love, this is such a great description. Walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit then in that place you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. So one of the things, and I don't want to spend much time on this, but a lot of times people are struggling with a a temptation or a sin issue or something in their flesh. and, And our tendency is to focus on that issue to try and get rid of it, try and focus on this thing that's that's coming from my flesh and it's causing problems. What this is telling us, if you will just walk by the Spirit, if you will learn instead of trying to strangle the sin, instead of focusing all your attention and strength on that, focus your attention and strength on getting to know God better and walking with God better, you won't fulfill the cravings of the flesh anymore. You will walk away from that. It's just, it just we work that way, okay? We're gonna be led by one thing or another. I know as Americans, we like to think we're not led by nothing. Well, it's just not true because you were a human being uh, even before you were an American. So uh, the truth is that we are all under the influence of one direction or the other, one spirit or another. So here Paul says, I like this because in the very there's so many passages like this in the Bible. I say, walk and live by the Spirit. All right? This is an instruction. This is an instruction. Paul's giving an instruction to believers. What does that mean? That means we have a choice. We have a decision to make. We have some responsibility in this. It's an instruction. You receive an instruction and follow it, or you don't receive an instruction and follow it. This is not just, well, I'm a Christian, so everything I do is going to be guided and directed by God. That's not the way it works. God did not create you to be a robot or a puppet. He did not create you in that way. He created you to be a partner who chooses to walk with him. So he's saying, I say, he says, this is my instruction, walk and live by the Spirit. Responsive to and controlled and guided by the Holy Spirit. A lot of people think when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, especially if we start talking about the gifts of the Spirit, start talking about praying in other tongues, people, we, people get scared because they think God's going to take control of you. You're going to have no, you're just going to be walking through Walmart one day and God is going to throw you on the floor and bring this other language out of you until, until he decides to stop. You're just going to shake on the floor. That isn't how it works. <laughs> we do get to choose to respond to the Spirit. You know, over in, in Acts chapter 2, where it begins where they come out of the upper room and they are speaking in other tongues in, in public, out in the street, and people are hearing them declaring the wonderful works of God, where all of that is happening. What it said is the, that the Holy Spirit, they spoke as the Holy Spirit gave them unction. Didn't say he took hold of them, they became zombies and woke up later and didn't know what happened, right? They gave them the unction. They knew this language was rising up in them. They yielded to it. 
This term responsive is so important to the idea of being led by the Spirit. I think of it, I think of, I like machines that are responsive. I like, I like my car to be responsive. Some of you have other priorities with your vehicles, and that's great. I like something, even even if I, you know, we for a little while had that BMW car before it started costing us way too much money to keep it on the road. and But it was the best car to drive I've ever had. It was just, I mean, you were just a part of the vehicle. I like a car that the that when you push on the gas pedal, you know, especially around here in the summer, you know, sometimes you got to get by a few people in the mountains. You only have a short time. I do not pass on double yellows or single yellows in my lane. Does everybody understand that that means do not pass? Anyway, I like when, when I push on the gas, I don't want to have to wait three seconds before the slush bucket transmission takes off. I want it to go when you know and going around corners i want it to be responsive i want my motorcycle to just be just be a part of me i had back when i was flying hang gliders there was one period i had i had one and then i had a second one and it was a good glider but i mean but it didn't turn very well and especially you know, if you were going along a ridge, you know, the wind's coming up, you're going along a ridge, and, and you see your ridge soaring, so you're kind of close to stay in the lift, and the thermal gets under this wing and starts to push you toward the hill, you know, you kick way over, and it would take seconds for the thing to come around. I didn't like that. The next one that I had, the last one that I had, when, the, when I, I went over to get it over at Golden Sky Sales, and this guy was, we were setting it up together. He was showing me how to set it up. And he said, now, when you first launch this thing, don't grab the bar because it's really sensitive to your inputs. It's really quick handling. Just rest your hands on the bar. We have it tuned so that it'll fly at uh, minimum sink speed with the weight of your hands on the bar. So that's what I did. And it was such a pleasure. I loved that glider. It was such a pleasure to fly. It was so you get rough air and you just had control. It was responsive. When I moved, it moved. I mean, it felt like all I had to do was think about the turn and it would do a coordinated turn. That's what it should feel like. And I, And when we talk about, I think that's what God wants in us. I think he wants us to be responsive. To me, riding a bike like that or driving a car or flying machine or whatever it is that's responsive like that, that's a pleasure. And I think, you know, not that, you know, well, God is riding in us, isn't he? But I just think that's the relationship. I don't want to make it sound like you're a machine, but I think it's a pleasure for God when we're just, we're just easy to move, you know? Uh, if you want to think about it in a different way, it's like aspen leaves, you know, the way they're designed, slightest breeze, and they start to move, you know, and, and I think that responsiveness is something the Lord the Lord wants in us. So to be responsive, controlled and guided, but yeah, because we're responsive to what he's saying to us. Does that make sense to you? So... um the other one, we looked at this verse, and, and it'll come up a lot, but uh, Romans 8.14, we looked at it last week. It says, for all who are, again, this is the Amplified Bible, 
allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit are the sons of God. And that's the context of that verse, that we are allowing ourselves, all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Now, if you're born again, you are a child of God. Jesus said that he gave everyone who would believe in him, he gave them the power, it says, to become the children of God. But again, I've told you this many times, this word, sons, it's not so, it's not, this is not only for men, okay? It means an adult child who is actively participating in the business of the father. So, so this is a, this is a, a sense of partnership with God. This is, in fact, the definition is they are mature and participating members of the family who have the interests of the father and the family first in mind, okay? So if you grew up with with this idea that, hey, and and this may step on some toes, if it's God's will, it'll just happen. Okay, he'll force it to happen. That is a pretty extreme view of the way God uses his sovereignty in the earth. Okay, if it's God's will, it'll just happen. If it's not his will, it won't happen. No, there are all kinds of things happening in the earth every day that are not the will of God. People are dying and going to hell. And the Bible says that's not the will of God. God is sovereign. That means he fully, 100%, has the right and the ability to exercise authority and control. He has chosen in that sovereignty not to exercise that sovereignty 100% in the earth. He chose to share it with people. So our choices make a difference. Our obedience to him, our yieldedness to him, how we pray, what we do in the earth, it makes a difference. And this says that, those who allow themselves to be led by the Spirit, those are the mature participating members of the family who have the interests of the father and the family first in mind, okay? So the idea is being led by the Spirit. It's not, God's not just going to force us. We have to develop in this, in our communication with him. We have to uh, you know, we have to walk into this. It says, those who are led by the Spirit of God, I gave you this last week, I'm going to give it to you again. It, this term led comes from this little word, ago, A-G-O, and it means to guide by accompanying along the road. All right, so it's not just forcing somebody down the road. It's not driving somebody down the road with a whip. Uh, a, a guide doesn't send the client out to accomplish whatever it is without any input. A guide is someone who takes you along on a journey, whether it's hunting or it's whatever it is, whatever type of guide it is. Maybe it's at a museum. I don't know. Uh, they, They take you along because, get this, they are extremely familiar with where you're going. You are not, right? But you go, so they don't just thrust you out there. Kendall here doesn't just show them, you know, okay, the wilderness is up this way. Just head up that drainage and just have fun, get lost. That's not being a guide, okay? The Holy Spirit, when it talks about him leading us, it means he's taking us with him. He is going along with us because 
He knows the territory. So being led by the Spirit is not just either about reading instructions and trying to follow them. And a whole lot of Christians live their life that way. And and the Bible has good instructions. I'm not demeaning that. But a whole lot of Christians stop there. This is like, uh, to use another motorcycle example, what a great day. Um, when I'm going to work on my motors, I'm not, I didn't grow up as a mechanic, and it shows. But I have manuals that I can read, and they give me some pretty good instructions. Some stuff's just flat wrong in there. But anyway, they give me some pretty good instruction, and I can get through a lot of things with the manual. Read the manual and do what the manual says. Okay, But it's way better for many reasons when I am up there at my brother's shop with him, who's been doing this for over 50 years on these specific bikes. And I get not only that instruction, but I can ask questions. I get I get the benefit of all that wisdom and all that he has seen. And it's a good relationship. So it's, you know, and where needed, he'll just step in and do it before I bungle something, Okay. But I mean, it's that's being led by the Spirit. It's not just about reading your Bible and doing what it says. I'm, and, and go ahead and do that, but just understand there's more. Okay, there's more. This is a this is a relationship. This is uh, this is a this is a good thing. So I want you to realize as we move forward, we're, you know, we're talking about these two aspects of the things the Holy Spirit does. One is about him coming into us, transforming us, all of that. The other's about him coming upon us and us beginning to step out and release his power and ministry. Both of those things are miraculous. Transformation on the inside of us, changing us into a different person that looks more like Christ, that's a miracle, okay? Laying hands on the sick and seeing the recovered, that's a miracle. Both of those things require guidance. They require input from the Holy Spirit. They require his revelation coming into us. They require us being sensitive because he's the guide, okay? So we're not just going to take off a different direction either. That's very irritating for guides, <laughs> when the, you know, and, and make him chase us down. We're going to stay with him. Both of those things, whether we are ministering to people, whether we are changing on the inside, both of those things require this idea of being led. Does that make sense to you? All right, so let's get into these real quick. I've got four things for you this morning. And again, these are just sort of foundational heart attitudes mainly that that I believe are so essential uh, because so many of us, it's like, how do I learn to hear from God? Well, here's here's some things to build in. The first one is we need to choose to believe what Jesus said, that we can hear from God. I've had so many people come up to me, just very tenderhearted, over the years, pray for me that I could hear from God. I can't hear from God. And I take them to these verses in John chapter 10 because Jesus said you can. Jesus said you can. Jesus designed you to be able to hear from God. You may not know how yet. You may not be sure. I would almost guarantee you that you're already hearing from God. If you're born again today, he's already speaking to you. You haven't learned to recognize how he's speaking to you or... And I think all of us go through this, if we have any sense. Uh, early on, especially, we have this, we're not sure it's God. And that's fine. I want you to know today, God is so faithful to teach you how to hear him. He is so, think about what he's done. 
again, this is a relationship with Jesus, right? It's a relationship with the Father. It's a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is committed to this relationship to the point where he came and died for you to be able to enter into that relationship. All good relationships require good communication. They require two-way communication. If the communication is only one way, that's not really a relationship, okay? And so, or it's not the right kind of relationship anyway. So think about, now I just want you to embrace this today. God is committed to training us on how to hear him and to know his voice. But Jesus said this over in John chapter 10. Uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. It says, The watchman opens the gate for him, for the shepherd, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Let's just stop right there for a second. He calls his own sheep by name. All right, one of the issues we run into with trying to discern that God is saying something to us, especially I think when it comes to that remodeling us on the inside, especially when it comes to that transformation. God speaks to us from his perspective, from his redemptive perspective. He sees us through the work of Christ on the cross. He sees us through the blood that has been shed for us. He sees us through the potential of what he has installed in us as gifting. He sees us through the potential of who we are and who we can be and what he has destined for us that we may not be walking in. So I think sometimes God speaks something to us, and I don't know the right way to say this, it's it's too good to be true. It's like, well, he can't be talking to me because I'm not that person. Yeah, he probably is talking to you because that's the person he sees you. You're not walking in it yet, but his words carry the ability to bring you to that point. And I think sometimes it says here, he calls his sheep by name. That's really personal. That's really intimate. He knows every one of them. He knows their names. I mean, when I, I don't know about you. Maybe you know more about sheep than I do. But when I look at sheep, it's like, really? They all have names? I used to think that about chickens, but I've learned. Those little guys have personality. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on from there. This is intimate. He calls his sheep by name. I think sometimes when he speaks to us, he's saying something to us that is to call us up to the level of what he's saying. Okay, again, especially where that transformation happens. And so we kind of miss it. It's like, oh, I'm not, I, I can't do that. I couldn't be that. I can't, I have this background. I, I couldn't do that. I can't, you know, I can't speak. I can't do this. I can't do that. And yet that's his voice coming to you to call you up into something that he has for you. So it goes on. It says, when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. Again, here's this leading idea. And his sheep follow him because they know, that word means recognize his voice. They, sheep, if you're a sheep, you have the capacity, he's given it to you, to know his voice. And this is just something you have to settle. I remember when this was an issue in my own life. And one day I saw this and it just came to me as revelation. And I realized I needed to stop saying, I don't know how to hear from God. And I needed to start start saying, I'm his sheep. I know his voice. I'm his sheep. I know his. I know your voice. Speak to me. I know your voice. You know, you got to take it by faith. And 
And it says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. What it, what it means there is, is that the voice of the devil should be a foreign voice to us. It's not that you won't hear other things, but you won't give place to that because your focus is on your shepherd. And and this is something we say to people in practicing is, is when you do hear from God, you get something and then it's confirmed and or or it comes up in the word and you understand, oh man, this that I felt like I was hearing this this came up, this is, you know, I see it in the scripture or the last five people I've listened to were preaching the exact same thing or whatever. It gets confirmed to your heart. That was God speaking to me. I always tell people, remember that voice. Remember that sense. When I say that voice, it isn't just a tone of voice, you know, because God will see God speaks to us a number of ways. But there's a sense in your heart. There is an agreement. There's that inward witness that says that was the voice of God. So you got to start somewhere and you start by saying, Jesus said I can hear his voice. So I can hear his voice. All right, I'm taking that by faith. Then you start listening. And as you hear things, you check them out with the word. You check them out with other people you know hear from God. Not just say hear from God, but there's fruit in their life from what they say they heard. Okay, There's lots of people are going to tell you all kinds of things as coming from God. And some of them are, and some of them aren't. But you have an anointing. In fact, um, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. You don't necessarily have to turn there. You can if you want. 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 and 21 says, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Well, that's quite a statement. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it and no lie is in the truth. What he's saying there is, this is something the Holy Spirit does. You have an anointing. That word anointing just means the Holy Spirit upon and through flesh. That's what the word anointing means. And so one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he bears witness to the voice of God. He, He gives you the capacity to recognize the voice of the shepherd. And then we have backups. We need anything we think we're hearing from God, we need to know it lines up with the word. It has to line up with the written word. And it has to line up with the nature of God that we see in Jesus. If you think God's speaking to you to go off and and, uh, sell heroin, well, that's not God, okay? Why not? Because it doesn't line up with the word and it doesn't line up with the nature of Jesus. I've told you this before. I've I've had people come into my office and sit down and tell me and insist God was telling them that they should leave their husband and marry this other man who was also married and had children at the time. And this was God's provision for them. And the other man didn't even know yet, but God was telling her and I'm telling her that is not God and here's why. And that was the end of that counseling because she didn't want to hear that. So I'm telling you, it may seem extreme to you, but it happens. All kinds of weird stuff happens. But don't let the fact that weird stuff happens keep you out of the blessing of learning to sense what the Spirit of God is saying to you. Is this making sense to you today? Um, So Jesus said, we can hear his voice. He said down in uh, verses 14 and 15, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as 
The Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. All right, there's more we could say about that, but let's move on. Number two, develop. We have to develop our hunger, and we have to seek God's counsel. We've got to be hungry for it. Again, God is not a dictator. He is not going to force his will upon you. He is going to offer his will to you. He is going to offer all this stuff that comes to us, this incredible blessing of walking with him in communication and, and having being able to hear his voice and walk with him and be led by him, all of that is going to be offered and we have to receive. So let me just give you, we're going to read some Bible. I'm just going to read a, a few things here. Uh, you can just write them down. Psalm chapter 119. Uh, it's up there on your screen. Verses 24 and 25. Your testimonies, that means the word of God and the ways of God. There's a lot collected in that word testimonies. Your testimonies, Lord, also are my delight and my counselors. So he's saying, I delight in the things that you say to me. I, I love the things that you say to me. And I'm choosing, those are my counselors. That is my, the primary place I'll get my counsel is from what you're saying, Lord. My earthly life, we might say my natural life, cleaves to the dust. Revive and stimulate me according to your word. All right, so this psalmist is hungry to hear the word of God. He's developed a hunger. He's seeking for it. He's he's pulling on God for his word. Here's another one. You can just write these down. Psalm 37. Verses 4 and 5. Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. It tells us to delight ourselves also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. That word delight means make yourself flexible. It means to become delicate. So in other words, easily molded, easily shaped. So we go to God with this attitude. We're, we're ready to hear. We're ready to, to be shaped. And he says he will author new desires in our heart when we do that. Psalm chapter 1. You guys know these verses 1 through 3. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. That means he, he takes the word of God and just re- sits and, and uh, don't have to be sitting, revolves it in his mind. He revolves it in his mind. He thinks through and speaks through the word of God over and over and over. It's like chewing on the word of God. Says that person shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. All right, so in meditating the word, a lot of times we're just there in the presence of the Spirit of God. We're listening, we're watching for Him to highlight scriptures to our hearts. We're meditating on the word, and these thoughts begin to roll through us from Him. And, and those thoughts are of God. And we write those down. We think about them. Uh, that's how he speaks to us from the word. And he says in the, when we do that, it'll be like we're planted by these rivers of water. We're just constantly being fed. Okay? So in order to live, are you still with me? In order to live what we just described, 
all right? You have to have a foundational belief. You have to be established in the truth that God is good. This is so foundational. You've got to know that God is good. Because otherwise, it's going to be very difficult for you to give yourself over to a God you you can't trust because you don't know if he has the best for you or not. And, you know, I've just been working with a guy the last couple of weeks. It was here in town. Really wonderful Christian guy. But he's been raised to believe that everything that happens in his life, God did it. God didn't just... You know, it didn't just happen for any other reason. Didn't happen because of somebody's sin. Didn't happen because the thief came to steal. Didn't happen because somebody made bad choices. It happened because God did it. So every time there was a big tragedy in his life, he lost, you know, people died in his life. His, he, and he's very open about it and he struggled with it. He's had a hard time getting near God for several years now because, well, when God killed my father, well, God killed my mother. Why did you do that? And and the cool thing is, in his heart, he knew that wasn't right. He just didn't know why it wasn't right. He'd never heard anybody. And I know this is why he was here. He's never had anyone say to him anything other than everything that happens in your life, God did it. So just take it. And so so he's like, well, if God wants to teach me something, why would he kill this friend of mine? Why would he do it? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense because it's not what God's like and it just doesn't make any sense to do that. It's not the nature. We don't see Jesus. We don't see Jesus make one person sick to teach them something. We only see him healing people. We don't see him sicking the devil on people to, to bring them into bondage. We see him delivering people from the devil. We don't see him stealing things out of people's life. We see him lifting them up. We, so we got to have some great discussions about the sovereignty of God. They're brief. It's a big subject. But at least, uh, and, I, and I give him a book about the fact that God is good. So that he, I said, just start, just start thinking about it. Just start reading it and think about it and pray about it. And it was so, you could tell, it was just such a breath of fresh air. And I believe God's going to change his life from from that, but we have to be established in it. We've got to build our life on that foundational truth. So here's a few verses, real quick. Uh, you know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven through thirteen. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and will listen, to, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I know the thoughts I think toward you. They're thoughts for peace, not evil. Awesome. Psalm 119, verse 68. Psalm 119, verse 68. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. See how that works? You're good, and what you do is good. So you know what? I am wide open to your instruction. That's Psalm 119, verse 68. Psalm 34, verse 8, I love this one. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Here's another invitation like Andy talked to us about. Just taste, come taste, and you'll see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
John 10.10, we quote this one all the time. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And then finally, you know, Hebrews 1.3, it says that Jesus is the exact image, the exact representation of the Father. So if we don't see it in Jesus, it is not an accurate picture of God's nature. And, and it's fine for me to stand and say this stuff to you and you to nod your head, but you, especially if you grew up with some other type of idea about who God is, there can be a lot of fear lodged down in your heart about that, boy, you don't want to get too close to God because you never know, you know, what he's going to put you through. And, and so you have to meditate on these things. You have, to, you have to ask him, Lord, I want to see your goodness Remember when, when Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. And the Lord passed by him and said, I'll show you my goodness. That's because his goodness is his glory. It is the essence of who he is. One more. Okay, stick with me for one more. All right. Maintain a teachable spirit and a tender yielded heart. We have to come to God. I really believe 99% of learning to be led by God, because his end, he's, he's doing his end, okay? It's about our attitude. And when we come to him, I'll just give you this in a briefer way. When we come to him, this, the scripture tells us we need to first of all desire his leading. And then it says we need to acknowledge him, which means, you know, when we hear him speak, we give him our attention. We, we, we say, yes, Lord. We say, you know, we open our hearts to that, but we acknowledge. It's like acknowledging one person's voice in a group and saying, no, that person has the floor. So everybody else, shut up. We're going to listen to them, right? It's, it's, it's that acknowledging his leading, what he says. And then the last one is quickly obeying his leading. And this is one of the things you can practice. This is so practical. You don't have to start on hard things. You don't have to start on decisions about your career and your marriage and your, you know, all your kids and all this stuff. Just start on simple things and listen for the leading of the Holy Spirit and then obey him. And if it's little stuff, if you blow it and it turns out, oh, that wasn't God, he'll fix that. But you'll learn along the way how to know. It's why it's best not to start with life crunching, you know, thoughts before you learn how uh, to discern the voice of God. So let me give you a verse, Proverbs 3, chapter 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That's that. I'm acknowledging you. I'm giving you my attention. I'm recognizing you as the one who, who needs to speak here. And it says, and he will direct your path. You'd, you would be amazed, maybe you wouldn't, how many times over the years, I sound like I'm complaining. I'm really not. This isn't everybody, but you see this a lot. People come, and it isn't just me, it isn't, it's any counselor, even I'm sure secular counselors, they come for counsel, but when you give them the scripture, you give them what the scripture says and the wisdom of God on that, well, that's not what I wanted to hear. And that's, I, I don't want that. I've had people flat say, yeah, I see that in the Bible, but I don't want to do that. It's like, well, I don't really have anything else for you. You know, they think this is the best God has for you. So, you know, it's your choice. But I, I've known people 
who were involved in things that they didn't want to let go of. And they went from counselor to counselor to counselor. First, it was Christian counselors. And every counselor, after they were with them for a number of weeks, would bring up the same set of issues and give them the same instruction. Oh, that one doesn't know what they're doing. They're, you know, burr, 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 and they'd go on to another counselor. And they would go to one after another, after another, pretty soon secular counselors, who amazingly were telling them the exact same thing, not giving them the scripture as a solution, but saying the exact same thing and giving very similar solutions. Oh, that's, a, you know, well, now they're not going to any counselor because they rejected the counsel that was given them over and over and over. If we're going to hear from God, we've got to be willing to yield what he's saying. Otherwise, what we're doing is we're hardening our hearts. And the Bible says over in, um, that's not right. Yeah, it is. Hebrews 3. Uh, Hebrews 3, right? When you, when today, when you hear the Holy Spirit, do not harden your heart like they did in the rebellion. The idea is don't reject what he's saying. Yield to what he's saying. And when we do resist him, we are not cutting, I mean, we're not changing him at all, but we are causing our heart to be harder. It's more difficult than for God to speak. to. It's not more difficult for him to speak to us. It's more difficult for us to tune in to what he's saying, because that's kind of what we're doing is, is it's almost like if it, some of you lived when they had old radios uh, that you would actually turn the dial, you know, before the whole digital thing, you'd go across until you hit a station, and then you'd move it around a little bit till you got right in the middle. That's kind of what we're doing with the voice of the Holy Spirit, okay? So we want to be easy to lead. I've got to quit. I've just got to quit. I got to give you, can I give you one or two more verses here? Uh, we got to be easy to lead. Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9. Just write it down, Psalm 32, 8 and 9. All right. It says, I, the Lord, will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I love that. That's not a bad thing. That's him walking along with us. It says, be not like the horse or mule, which lack understanding, which must have their mouths held firm with bit and bridle, or else they will not come to you. All right, so this is a teachable spirit. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, it tells us that as time goes along, people are just going to build up. We're just going to gather different teachers to tickle our ears, to say what we want to hear. That's not being open to what God is saying. And that's going to be, that is uh, a hallmark, a, a characteristic of our day, is that people just go from one thing to the other, waiting for, okay, that person agrees with what I already think. All right, so we're not really open to any correction, not open to any instruction. We don't want our hearts to go there. We want to be tender-hearted. We want to be easy to lead. I'll just tell you this quick story, and I'll do it well, uh, and then we'll be done. So back when she was training horses, uh, she talked about different horses that she was training to me. And, you know, I always had, well, I didn't always have a saddle and bread. A lot of times we just rode with a halter or something and our horses, you know, rubbed us off in the trees or whatever. But she actually trained horses. And uh, so some of these that she had, they got to the point where she could run raining patterns with no headstall of any kind, no saddle, just bareback. And just through, they were just, again, so responsive 
to her body movements and everything, she could run raining patterns with them without it. They were just in tune together. And to me, that's always been just a great picture of, I think, the, again, I guess I have the Lord riding us, sorry. Uh, but he rides in us. Uh, but, you know, it's that picture of just that, re- that partnership. There was a partnership. Those horses hadn't been beaten into that place. There was a relationship and a partnership, and it was amazing what they could do. With, with, and they were easy to move. They were easy to steer, and that's where we want to be. Did you get anything out of this today? <laughs> Sorry, I had to dump a lot fast. Let's stand up and pray. We'll be dismissed, and we'll go out and live all this. Thank you, Lord. Father, I'm so grateful that we have this kind of relationship with you. And that you've made a way, God, where I I love it, Lord, that we get to be partners with you and we get to be led by you. And yes, you are absolutely in charge and we want to hear, God, what you have because we know you're good and because we know it's the absolute best for us. And Jesus, thank you for, for, for causing us, Lord, for creating us to be able to hear your voice. It's amazing. And so, Lord, for every one of us, every one of us, we want to grow in our sensitivity to you as we go about our everyday life, in and out, busy and not, you know, everything that we do, God, we want to grow and grow and grow in sensitivity to you. So we ask you for help with that. We ask you to train us. We embrace your training. We embrace your words and your voice. And Lord, we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to be dismissed on the count of three. Again, if anyone needs prayer for anything, please come up. I would love to pray with you. And we're going to say Jesus. We're going to mean it too. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. You ready? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Remedy at six o'clock. We'll see you then. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.